Welcome to Five Star Company Culture with your host, Josh Cunningham. In this podcast, we explore how culture is the key to unlocking massive profits and unprecedented freedom. Discover insights, strategies, and inspiring stories to transform your life and business. Here's your host, Josh Cunningham. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Company Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Cunningham, the founder and CEO here at Five Star Company Culture, where we help real estate, I'm sorry, really, really any kind of business owner, entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, achieve more freedom in their life by instilling a five-star company culture, a culture that attracts and retains the top quality talent, a culture that helps create wonderful, amazing customer experiences that drives referral and repeat business. And then, like I said, as well, as a leader of your organization, helps you unlock more freedom in your life to do the things that you want to do, not always be strapped to putting out fires all day, every day. So uh, today we've got a very special guest, as always. Uh, Julie Noonan is joining us from Orlando, Florida. It's a little hot out there today, as it is, I'm sure, everywhere across the country. Uh, But she's an executive coach for women in business and a change strategist. So welcome to the show, Julie. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate your having me here. Certainly. I'm excited. Yeah, it's our pleasure as well. We know you've got a lot of insights to give our audience here on uh, some experiences that you've had and coaching that you've done to help people do exactly what we're helping people achieve as well. So why don't you kind of give our audience here a little background story in your professional career and, and some of the experiences that you've had? Thanks, Josh. Well, I started out in my career in um, banking. And so I've um, I've been dealing with culture and various cultures throughout my whole 30-year career. Um, we In banking in the 90s, we went through the great mergers and acquisitions um, phase. And so mm-hmm. I went through tons of mergers and acquisitions while there. So I got to see a lot of culture clash early on in my career. And um, being in change management early on, what that meant was I got to see when cultures clashed as well as when cultures actually blended well and what some of those elements were all about. And a lot of times it really kind of boiled down to um, people respecting each other, respecting where their histories came from, where their beliefs came from. And, and then, you know, that respect wound up into, um, you know, joint uh, forming of the next culture mm-hmm. and recognizing that new cultures are just as good, if not better, than old cultures. Mm-hmm. So constantly looking back on back in the day isn't isn't always a good thing. <laughs> right, right. You know, you have to kind of create the new to get to a new place where everyone can be comfortable in a new culture. So I learned that early on in my career. And then when I went into consulting, I had the opportunity to work with all kinds of companies, all different industries. And every time I went into an organization um, with my change management background, the nice thing about it was I was highly attuned to and trained to go in and within about a week, using my intuition and using my experience, I could walk in and kind of feel a culture. Mm-hmm. I could feel when things were kind of off. I could feel where the problems were. And frankly, nine times out of 10, it came down to um, a problem with 
leadership or mm-hmm. the direction with the leadership. There, mm-hmm. a lot of times, it was a, a conflict uh, between you know some leaders or parts of the organization, and the employees were left not knowing which direction they should take. Mm. So a lot of times that was the problem there. Recently, since um, I I landed in my 50s, I was actually, and this is where the part of the story that hits me personally, when I hit my 50s, I was actually laid off twice. Wow. And when you're in your 50s, <laughs> many of your listeners may not have hit that yet. But you start thinking about, oh, yeah, you know, you know, retirement's 15, 20 years away. Maybe I should start thinking about leaving my legacy. You know, I'm, I'm getting towards the top of my career. I'm in these big, big positions. <clears throat> I've kind of made it, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And all of a sudden you get laid off and the recruiters aren't calling <laughs> as mm-hmm. much as they used to. And ageism steps in um, and it kind of can throw you for a loop. Right. And so you, it, it kind of makes you go back and re-examine, wow, I have to actually go back to some of those self-discovery tools that I used mm-hmm. in my 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Then it happens again, happened when I was 57 during COVID. And that's when I said, okay, I'm done with corporate America. I'm going to just create my own business Mm -hmm. and I'm going to help other people who need to make their mark in whatever industry. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I started working with women um, as an executive coach, helping them work with their cultures and the other generations that they're working with to make an impact i'm sorry it was a long-winded answer oh no not at all (laughs) great story and uh you know we all have a a story and that's what got us to where we're at today and i think it's incredibly um you know admirable that at 57 you decided to step into the entrepreneurial world you know for many of our listeners like you said whatever your age is it's never too late it's never too early either you know whether you Mm -hmm. whether you're seven or 57 you know you there's there's something um, you know that you can contribute to this world if you can add value to other people's lives. That's how you generate income, and so that's exactly the path that you took. There is, how do you exchange your time for income? How do you add value to other people's lives? And you know, mm-hmm. you found a way, and you've been able to take uh, those experiences and and help uh, sh- give other people a shortcut. You know, maybe the shortcut that you wish that you would have had uh, along your path. So that's incredibly admirable. And then you know, a couple other things that I just want to highlight that that I that I heard you say is you talk about culture is something that you feel. Uh, and yes. I say this all the time, you know, there's, there's so many metrics as a business owner, as a business leader that we're, you know, we're focused on the spreadsheets and the data and the number and the scorecards and the results. Well, the results come from the actions that we take and those actions yes. that we take are inspired by how we're feeling, right? The attitudes, the, the, the emotions inside of our body. And that at the core is what our, is what our belief system is all about. And so as an organization, as a business organization, those are your core values, right? It's the beliefs. It's the things that align with just who you are as a person. So you're not, you know, forcing a, a square peg into a round hole, but it's actually 
you know, allowing people to live a fulfilled life. And so I think that's what you're alluding to is a lot of those issues, a lot of those problems that you find in organizations and businesses, nine out of 10 times comes from leadership, right? I, I CEO, one of my favorite acronyms for CEO is chief evangelist officer, right? It's, it's, it's your role, it's your duty to evangelize what the mission of the organization is and get people to buy into it and believe in it because that's how you get the best results, right? Is to affect and impact the belief system within the organization. So culture really is something that you walk into a business, you hang out for a, a short you know, while, you interview a couple people, you, you interact and you're gonna feel it, right? It, it truly is something, a strong company culture. You can feel the pride, you can feel the strength within the organization, you can feel it driving the actions and the decisions of people. Uh, and same thing goes for the, the, the negative side of that, right? You walk in and you feel those yucky, sticky, awkward, stressful situations. They stick right. out like a sore thumb. What would be maybe some examples of, of, of some of those, those feelings that you've had before, the, either the good or the mm -hmm. bad, and how you were able to notice and identify some problems and implement some solutions? Oh, that's so easy. It immediately, um, it, this, it's harder in a virtual or it's harder in a virtual world, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But um, you can literally walk into any break room any you know especially a break room or, mm -hmm. an, or anywhere where there are employees gathered in an informal non-work part of the, mm. the just informal situation yeah if you hear whining grumbling um whispering um he said she said so any of those negative type behaviors, if you hear those predominantly, if you feel tension in the mm -hmm. air, if you see um, factions you know, looking at each other angrily, those types of vibes, if you will, the energy, if you are susceptible or if you are sensitive to the energy in a room, you can feel that energy when you walk into that room. The you know immediately that there's something wrong with the culture. Mm -hmm. That there that there is that there are behaviors there that are um, directly opposed to what is what is being said is not what is being demonstrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a, an immediate um, indication that you have a problem. Yeah. On the other hand, if you walk in and there is a buzz, there's excitement, there, is, there are uh, people chatting about you know, their home life or they're talking about, hey, let's get together later because I have an idea about this, that, or the other. They're freely sharing information. They're not hoarding information. That's, mm. that's a good one right there. Yep. They are, um, they are, relaxed they're not looking over their shoulders um it's just an entirely different vibe it's much more positive mm -hmm. and feel that in the air and mm -hmm. then you know you have a, a decent working situation in, yeah. in that organization now there can be subcultures within big cultures so within a big organization overall you can have a decent culture Mm -hmm. And then you can have pockets within that, obviously, 
maybe finance has a poor leader or a leader who has an authoritarian perspective on the world and, and is a little bit of a control freak, mm-hmm. then you might you might experience um, some negative energy in that particular group. Mm-hmm. Well, then you might want to go in and do some intervention there. Yep. Um, but overall, the company itself has a good culture. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that I look out for. Yeah. I think one of the um, important things there is is the information exchange, right, within an organization. Yes. And, you know, there's a, a really great book that I've read with my leadership team several times called Tribal Leadership. And they mm-hmm. talk about the five different levels. And, um, you know, the, the, the first level is like life sucks. You know, it's someone who just believes <laughs> that just life in general is terrible. It's not good for anybody. And those type of people wind up in prison, you know, or yeah. uh, being outcast from society. The next level is my life sucks. So it's someone who acknowledges that, you know, life can be good, but for others, just not for them. And then the level three is, of course, you know, I'm great, but it comes at the expense of, and you're not. Everybody else. And that's where a lot of organizations live in. And, and you see this, you know, portrayed in a lot of movies and television shows. One of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Office Space, the old... Uh, you know, 1999 flick about the um, uh, corporate office environment and the, the, the boss is Bill Lumberg. And you can tell that he just thinks he's the greatest thing on earth, you know, greatest thing since sliced bread. But he does that by putting everybody else down in the workplace. And um, right. there's a, a controlling, you can see, of that information. He wants to know everything and be able to distribute it on his own terms. He doesn't want other people to be sharing information. So at one point in the movie, you know, one of the employees has a meeting with one of the consultants and he's like, wait, I, I was, I wasn't aware of this. This like didn't hit my schedule. And you can tell that it just truly bothers him. But that level three is where a lot of like negative environments thrive in because there's, there's competition and not team building. And so, you know, to thrive, you want to get to the level four, which is we're great, right? It's that team effort. It's the realization that we can accomplish more together than we can individually. And uh, I think the sharing of information is absolutely key to that. And, um, you know, one of the things that we've done here at Rockerbox since day one uh, is have masterminds with our team. Mm -hmm. And of course, the mastermind concept is nothing that I invented, you know, got to give Napoleon Hill credit and his uh, classic think and grow rich. But it's the exchange of ideas, the brainstorming session, it's the gathering of all the people in the organization, whether they've been with, with us for a day or a decade. And say, what do you think? What, what do you see that we're doing really well? What do you see that we can improve on? And it's that information exchange that empowers the team to know that their opinions matter, that their insights count, and that their perspective is heard. And that's truly what helps a team achieve not only level four, which is we're great, that still implies that someone else isn't, but level five is just life's great, right? It's that state of abundance. And, and that's the type of buzz that you're talking about when you step into an organization and mm-hmm. you can feel the excitement, you can feel the buzz. Um, so I love that you, you point out there that the information exchange is, is absolutely important. If you if a part of an organization, you see people hoarding that information, not sharing it with others, that's a red flag. We got to tackle that. Um, I love that idea. Yeah. Well, and one of the, one of the, the tools that I use when I do executive coaching is called the energy leadership index. And it's a mm-hmm. three, it's a 360, but it's based on the levels of energy um, that a leader uses when they lead. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's right along those exact same lines. And that's how, I, how I use my executive coaching when I coach um, m- most of the leaders that I coach, I use that same um, tool. That's great. 
Yeah. And how do you actually measure that? Is it like an employee feedback thing or is it just a... It, yeah, it's, um, it's a, a 360 assessment. And so the person measures themselves based on this, this assessment that I have that they answer all these questions. Mm-hmm. They also give it to their subordinates as well as um, their peers, as well as if they have um, people above them. And it averages out all the scores and then it comes back and it says, hey, here's where you are showing a certain kind of level of energy and this is where, you know, you're showing um, the different levels of energy. And Mm -hmm. we talk about the situations in which they're showing some lower levels. We call that catabolic energy when you were talking about the levels one and two. Mm-hmm. Here's where we're showing catabolic energy, and here's where we're showing anabolic energy, which is the the higher levels of energy. Mm-hmm. And how can you now that you are aware of these levels of energy, when you're facing a situation where you know it's going to trigger you, or where you know you have some defensiveness or some bias or some, um, you know, it's going to basically perhaps. Um, trigger you into those lower levels of energy anger or giving up or whatever it is Mm -hmm. how are you going to instead focus on those higher levels of energy to bring the team to that level or bring yourself up to that level because if you are a leader people are going to follow you Mm -hmm. that is part of the job that's part of it. And a lot of new leaders do not understand, especially if they're brand new, mm-hmm. how just having that title, just having that title gives them power. Yeah. Every move they make is, is now under a microscope. Somebody's yep. watching every move, every word, every, you know, Mo- everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they're being watched, they have to really make a conscious effort to remain in those positive levels of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time we make decisions emotionally and then yes. we go and find the facts and the data to back up our feelings. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, if you are subordinate of a poor leader, you know, someone who thinks that the title is all that they need, you know, they well, I achieved this role. I got promoted. Now I've got the title. So now I'm just going to start, you know, cracking the whip and, and pointing fingers and bossing people around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to make people feel great. And so if people are not going to feel great. Then they're going to, like you said, they're going to constantly be on the lookout for the things that they can see and go, yep, that's right. That's why I don't like this guy. That's why I don't like this lady. That's why I don't like this, this boss of mine um, versus the other way around. You know, if you're a, a wonderful leader and you empower people and you help build people up and you help grow together as an organization, make people feel really great about themselves and great about their contributions, then what are they going to be looking for? They're going to be looking for all the positive things, right? All the wonderful things that you do as a leader. And and we're all human. So we're all always going to make mistakes. You know, there might be some time where you lose your cool or where you, like you said, you, you, you move to those lower levels of energy. But if you're consistently delivering the, the, the positive uh, energy and a positive message and positive leadership that you, that you do normally, then, People are going to be more forgiving of those situations, you know, because Absolutely. we understand we are humans, you know, we're not robots. They haven't taken over the world just yet. So um, well, your behavior demonstrates the value that you place, the intrinsic value that you place into those individuals. Mm-hmm. 
So where where you place your value shows in your behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you place value in money over people, it shows. Yep. If you place value in things over people, it shows. Mm -hmm. And people know that. I mean, they pick it up whether whether they even know what your decisions are on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. They know whether you care for them as people or not. Mm -hmm. Yep. Said very well there. Well, Julie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the Thank show. Uh, been a great conversation that we've had today here just about, uh, you know, energy and, and uh, positivity and great leadership. Um, for those who would like to learn a little bit more, how they can uh, get in touch with you and, and, and learn a little bit more about being, you know, the train, change strategist that you are or the executive coach for women in business, how can they get a hold of you or what other resources do you have available for them? That would be great. Um, you can, we can talk. Um, I offer a 30 minute free consultation. You can book that on my website, www.jnoonanconsulting.com. And um, you can link in with me through LinkedIn. It's the same thing, J. Noonan Consulting. Very good. Well, thank you so much for the uh, additional resources there. And if you're interested, definitely take her up on that. Uh, I know I've enjoyed our conversation today. And so if you've got some more follow-up questions, go check out our website and sign up for that free 30-minute consultation. But uh, any last thoughts or ideas here for our audience, Julie, before we let you go? Just be the leader that you would like to follow. Yeah, very good advice. That was actually um, um, one of my best men at my wedding when he gave us a toast. He uh, he was one of my best friends growing up since seventh grade. And he said, uh, you know, it's, it's always easy to say, you know, you, you marry your best friend and, and, and be your best friend. But he said, be the best friend that you would want to have. And that, that same philosophy goes oh. anywhere in life. So, you know, be the leader that you wish you would have had. You know, that's a, that's a good standard of, of, uh, of expertise there. So thanks again for your time today, Julie. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. And uh, for our guests, don't worry, we'll have more. Uh, or for our audience, don't worry, we'll have more guests coming up with more insights on how to be a better leader, how to attract and retain top quality talent, how to create uh, compelling customer experiences, and of course, as a leader, achieve that freedom and that fulfillment in the work that you do. So thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Five Star Company Culture with Josh Cunningham. Embrace these lessons to elevate your business and join the ranks of thriving organizations. Stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time, remember, culture is the key to your success.